2: It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And let's start the show. Welcome to the Tea for the Queen podcast, the podcast where we try to keep our sanity in the era of staying woke. I am your host, Tiara Burns, and this is your episode... Hey guys, so today's episode, I wanted to put it out um, for Mother's Day, however, due to um, the tragedies that happened with Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, I chose not to. Um, I want to be intentional and never insensitive when I choose to release these episodes. This particular episode is about being pregnant in the middle of this pandemic, I've encountered or what well, not encounter, but I have a few friends and then uh, people who are distant friends who are um, expecting their first child or maybe their third or fourth child during this time. And what I hear from a lot of them is that they um, have so many questions because no one has gone through this in their life. They have so many questions that are different than any other mothers that could give them advice. So I brought on Miss Marisha Walker of the washington dc area and she has been working with children mothers doula midwives for um for several years now i'll let her explain her background in the show but i wanted to have her on to talk about the options the choices um for mothers during this time and specifically let people know what a doula is a a lactation consultant and a midwife is because mothers now have to think differently about the birthing experience not just their pregnancy but also their birthing experience and that's why i chose to do this podcast today happy belated mother's day thank you guys so much for listening um and i'll see you guys on the other end oh how are you doing today miss marisha walker i'm good how are you i'm doing pretty well um how long where are you located And are you under quarantine currently?
3: Yes, I am um, under quarantine. I am um, labeled as an essential employee because I currently work at um, Children's National Hospital, which is a, of course, pediatric health system out here in the DMV area. Um, So because of that, I am then deemed essential. However, I am currently on teleworking that is so mm-hmm. i am working from home while our first responders and our clinicians are helping um our patients in our community
2: okay and how long exactly have you been working with children and why did you choose to do this
3: oh well i've been working at children for about two years now mm-hmm. i actually work with the child health advocacy institute um, within Children's National. And so we focus a lot on the policy and system um, changes within the healthcare system. And so I work primarily with school health um so i run our school health collaborative which is an internal working group where we are able to convene with other school health stakeholders that um lead many of the school health programs or initiatives that's within our um, health care system and so this is where we're able to learn more about the regional base school health efforts that are happening within the hospital system as well as within the community and then we also find um other so that we can network and um, increase our networking and collaboration opportunities, so that we can um, decrease the number of duplication and siloed efforts that can happen when you are um, in such a mass healthcare system as ours, mm-hmm. as well as you're within an area that has a lot of that going on because, you know, I'm located in Washington, D.C., so it can be an epicenter of education, research, and innovation, and so you can kind of find yourself in a real, like, kind of, like, tight, almost, like, knit balls of where you have everybody kind of doing the same work mm-hmm. and find ways to where we can really be able to move the work forward instead of, cycling the same uh, research and coming up with the same conclusions and not able to progress after. Oh. So that's pretty much where my work is with that. Um, and I came into the work um, mainly because I have a passion for children. Like, I love working with families mm-hmm. and um, I have a, a strong desire of working with moms and infants. Um, I started out my career as a teacher mm-hmm. and I transferred from teaching to home visiting, where I got to really partner with families of young children, specifically with infants and toddlers, and really from there, it really strengthened my, um, my love for being able to collaborate and being able to provide resources and access to information. Um, and... Being a certified health education specialist allowed me the opportunity to work within the healthcare system. And so now, um, as I'm entering the birth community, mm-hmm. um, the Sisters in Loss um, Birth and Bereavement Doula Program, I
2: am a. Right now, we're living through a pandemic, um, something I did not think that we would live through, but I guess that's how life works sometimes, right? <laughs> um, and. I like I've gained an entrance interest with people who are pregnant during this time. Um, two of my closest friends are having, they're having their first child right now. A lot of people I know, I don't, do you know a lot of people who are, who are having babies or have had babies during this time?
3: Well, I know about five or six women mm-hmm. who are pregnant right now. And two of them are, um, like one of my, or two of them are my close friends. So, um, and yes, and I am connected with a lot of doulas and other people in the community that are still working with families. So I'm kind of still surrounded by it. So I, I know quite the in and outs of, you know, a lot of people who are kind of, you know, in their first hand experience with being pregnant during this time. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I, I've gained an interest <laughs> on it because... Um, I don't have any children. I do want to have children. And one thing that I've always like wanted is, you know, I want to have a natural birth as much as possible. I want to have a doula, a midwife. I don't want to have my child in the hospital. And I've heard a lot of stories, whether it be on a podcast or a New York Times or whatever, about women having to have their children by themselves, you know? Um, so I want to talk, uh, that's something I eventually want to get to, but, um, first I want you to explain the difference between a midwife, a doula, and, um, a tra- I guess an OBGYN, a traditional, um, medical doctor with the birth, the birthing process. Like what is the difference between the three? And then extensively we can do the lactation consulting. Cause I've heard a couple people tell me they don't know the difference. Um, it surprised me. But they don't know so as an expert what um what exactly is the difference between the three
3: so okay so with i can start with the doula Mm -hmm. so with the doula the best way i can really describe a doula is like a um a labor coach almost like an advanced labor coach Someone who is there to provide the emotional and physical support for Mm. a birthing person um, as well as their partner within the labor and delivery process. So this is someone who can possibly provide the childbirth education to the family. They can also be able to develop a birth plan with the family as well as being able to um, help the mom really uh, advocate for herself within mm-hmm. the process of labor and delivery, for her to know all of her options as well as the risk at, that are involved, and to make sure that you know that there is positive energy that mm-hmm. is there, and that there's always someone that is present. Um, and so, especially with the doula piece, uh, we really wanted to hone in on the advocacy part because really, when a woman is going through labor, she is at you know. Really, at death's doorstep. Mm -hmm. So, there's a lot that's going on in that moment, and that, you know, at the slick second, something can happen and they can cause her to go through a lot of stress Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that could ultimately cause something to happen to either her or the child. So, with the doula, she's like that intervention. That can really um, provide that support and awareness, so that the mom can have the best uh, birth experience that she can have. Um, so the goal of the doula is so that is to make sure that mom and baby can make it back home to their family. Um, so yeah, so so that's really the part of the doula, and so the midwife is a person who is the. Um, the person that really helps the mom deliver the baby. And mm-hmm. I, I use the liver loosely because ultimately it's the mom that delivers the baby, but it's the midwife that oversees that. She mm-hmm. is she's the one that hones in on the physiological needs of that happens during the labor and delivery. She is someone that provides the prenatal visits um to the mom she's the one that is able to conduct the postpartum visit to make sure that the mom is is continuing to be healthy as well as the baby um she's the one that can also as well as the doula help provide um some sort of lactation education support within that golden hour and so the golden hour is what we say is really where we see the baby naturally latch on to the nipple as she as they begin their feeding process and so in the role of the midwives of course has changed historically we know that midwives were the ones that were in the space with the birthing person um especially in terms of the african-american community we had our granny midwives and then we know that that had um transitioned what's a transition
2: let's say wait 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 so then what's a granny midwife was basically
3: our matriarchs of our family. They were the um, the seasoned women mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. in our community that were basically um, they were helping our our women deliver and they were training other um, younger midwives to be able to take over and to lead uh, the birthing process for our expecting mothers that was in our community.
2: Now when did we have um granny midwives when did we have that just because i i don't think my mom had something like that and you know when did it stop like um i would assume that of course during the times when you know we were during slavery of course they were like midwives and uh-huh. doulas who were there but like as far as like the centuries after that what you know when when were they um around and when did they stop
3: so there are many Mm-hmm. that lead into how uh, traditional midwifery switched over to obstetrician gynecology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one of the biggest factors that, that really impacted uh, the black midwifery was the development of, of gynecology or an American gynecology in the United States. So, um, as we know that, of course, the African presence In America was primarily through the slave trade Mm -hmm. and so when the slave trade or I should say the importation of slaves was was abolished then the uh, creation of slaves the development of slaves became of interest and so it came from okay so since we can't import slaves then we have to try to make slaves. And by making slaves means that we we have to try to produce, which means we have to create. So there was uh so really what we know as American gynecology really started from how do we um get these African female slaves to produce babies. Um and the person that we know as father of gynecology, which is J. Marion Sims, yes, um, he was known, um, especially a lot of... His didn't current...
2: he use his, like, wasn't, didn't, like, he learned everything basically by experimenting on the uh, bodies of black women? Is yes. that correct? on, on the yeah. bodies
3: of African, of the African slaves, mm-hmm. uh, and that was because um, they believed mm-hmm. there was this assumption, and one of the assumptions that actually... Why a lot of uh, black women are dying
2: during the labor process today? Today, yeah, because of they think we can't, take, we can't take we can take pain, yeah. But they, mm-hmm. You know,
3: we minimize we can deal with pain a mm-hmm. lot more, and so um, a lot of these women at the time were dealing with issues. Uh, what was called like incontinence, um, incontinence, uh, incontinence. And so this, it was an uh, issue that was developed from basically having babies too early. Mm-hmm. A lot of issues that were, um, you know, dealt with like, you know, when you have 12, 13-year-old girls who are still developing and they're pushing out multiple babies, mm-hmm. um, you know, at some point it, it, it takes a heavy toll on their bodies. And so they, and so these were the prime, um, I guess say, patients, quote unquote, that was used or subjects that we can say. That were used for him to perform these particular surgeries, in which he is now famous for today. Um, and so, bringing that in as well with the, you bringing the production of babies, you then you have, of course, now you have the 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 white dominance that's placed it into into it. And so now you have uh, pretty much a takeover. Yeah. Where now dominated by white physicians who are now controlling um, how these, you know, babies are being born. Um, And then that's, but then I would say the kind of counteract that was given would be nurse midwifery, but even with nurse midwifery, um, there's still some type of, you know, regulation that is placed on traditional midwives, whereas if you don't go through this particular medical program, then you're not licensed to practice. Mm. So there's still reins that is kind of putting on midwives, you know, midwives, So that really, there's only a few states where there are like midwives that are actually licensed to the point where women can use their insurance to pay for the midwifery services, whereas in other states, you know, they're not necessarily licensed. Not that they can't practice, but they don't, you know, have the same covering as so someone that may be an an obstetrician or things like that. And so now when you bring in an obstetrician, now the difference between a midwife and an obstetrician is really the medical interventions that can happen.
2: Now, obstetrician, is that the same thing as OBGYN? Yes. Okay, Um, okay, got it. I basically
3: stand for obstetrician obstetrician gynecologist okay so that's the whole thing so the obstetrician is basically the pregnancy childbirth part and the gynecology is the overall women's health so like if you were to go to get birth control or or your pep smear that's the gynecology part of it Mm -hmm. and then you have the obstetric side this is where you have the prenatal care you have like the childbirth you have the delivery and things like that so that's the ob side and so the obstetrician is, re- is really the medical intervention that can happen. So a midwife can't perform a C-section. Got it. Okay. So that's where the, that's where the, oh, you know, so when it comes to certain things. Like
2: surgery somebody, and anesthesia. Surgery, mm-hmm.
3: And anesthesia and stuff like that. That's the hospital. And so that's where the OBG um, OBGYN comes in.
0: And then, so they are the ones.
3: necessarily have to be hospitalized in order to do mm-hmm. so a midwife is there is just as effective as an OBGYN. so but the thing is is that the difference is where the medical interventions come in and then that's where the presence to the, OB, to the ob-gyn goes from the midwife is simply because she's not she can't perform that and that's just with, not within her job limits to do and then also other things that may be that may be deemed high risk i.e. um saying if, if this was uh, a multiple burst like multiple births is something that's considered high risk and so you may not necessarily see a lot of midwives do those particular types of births because there may be other particular issues that could arise um that may you know have other medical interventions that need to be nearby mm-hmm. and, the, and mm-hmm. they may need to be in a hospital session mm-hmm. you know um session um Setting in order to do it, so so that's where I would say the breakdown between a midwife and an OBGYN really is, is just that it's those extra clinical interventions that the OBGYN has the access and the space to do that a midwife doesn't necessarily have.
2: Now, what about the lactation consultant? Um, I know what it is, but if you could just explain it pretty briefly, um, yeah.
3: Okay, so pretty much the lactation consultant is the one, is the person is the clinical provider who supports the mom through breastfeeding um she is the one that helps provide the the uh, that can um do research behind the medicine of breast milk she is someone who is able to consult with the mom through various interventions primary interventions that is connected to any type of um, issues with like the mouth, it could be kind of like a succulent, um, like a. I'm, I'm studying this, it, so it's like I'm trying to think of the words come, but then, but like they really look into the physiology and the anatomy of the mouth, and so they can really do a lot of the breakdowns between the immunology as well as the, um the uh different components as to what contains with like breast milk and what feeding and the various um conditions that can arise um that may affect breastfeeding and how to support moms through issues through breastfeeding and they really like the steps the next step behind a counselor so like a counselor can really provide like the really primary support whereas the consultant or I should say IBCLC, which is an international board certified lactation consultant that they can really come in and really do like the real um, clinical interventions around how you can support the mom um, through successful breastfeeding so and with um, the difference, of course, with the counselor and the consultant, of course, is like the various health education classes and the number um, of like clinical years of clinical experiences that they have to behind research and advocacy and being able to break um, to do like the science behind breastfeeding.
2: So, let's just have I'm going to do a scenario. So, say like me or a woman is pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. um so i'm just thinking of the timeline from what i've heard so far basically the doula is there during the birth the doctor is there before the birth as well as the midwife is what is there before the birth and after the birth the doctor is also there after the birth and then the um, lactation consultant comes in after the baby is born for help with breastfeeding is that correct
1: (laughs) So
3: yeah, so it's like um when the birth starts, yes, yeah, so usually you'll be with your doula first mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can think they, they more than likely then they may be your first contact that you have, like then be the first person that you call, saying like oh the baby's coming and then you'll most likely contact your midwife too, depending where you're having. So the, those are usually the first two, but then if you're going to the doctor you're probably contacting like your doula then you're on your way to the hospital to let them know. And so now if you're at the hospital, most more than likely, you're going to be with your doula most of the time. And so, and then the doctor may pop in, but you'll probably most likely be with your doula. Whereas if you're with your midwife, Um, she will be there but she will mostly be off to the side and she will allow like your doula to really work with you more so a midwife is someone who will always kind of be in the room but she also respects the the space of wanting to give to the mom and the doula so that she can be able to be you know one within her process um and then a lactation consultant um comes in um during those like that golden hour their first 10 minutes really she mm-hmm. may be in there like right when the baby comes um depending on the availability of the lactation consultant and so um so that she can make sure that 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 baby it has latched on like right then and
2: there so like say before like i guess it's like what is it two three week checkup once you find out you're pregnant um You would see your doctor and your midwife if you had if you just happen to have all four. If you're so fortunate, you see your doctor and your midwife. Hmm?
3: Well, you wouldn't. Well, you wouldn't need. You really wouldn't need a a OBGYN and a midwife. Really? Okay. No, you wouldn't need. You wouldn't need both because it will be like, yeah, because your midwife will give you your prenatal
2: care. Got it. Okay. But you would you say if someone wants to like have their um, ultrasound, would they still have to go to an OBGYN for that? Well, some
3: people can. Well, from my understanding, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, just like you, I haven't had a birth yet, so this is something I haven't experienced myself. Okay. Um, so, from my understanding, you do, there are people who can go to a separate place to do their ultrasound. I don't know if you have oh, okay. to necessarily go. To, um like I know some pregnancy and birthing centers with midwives that have that. So, you know, there are midwives that can provide that mm-hmm. for their, you know, um for their family. So they have like a um like they may have a collaborative where they connect with an ultrasound tech and different people who can be able to do that for that. Mm-hmm. And so as long as they have a normal, healthy pregnancy, they can always go through their midwives, through their entire prenatal care process through postpartum.
2: Got it. Okay. Um. Now, for as far as um experiencing pregnancy during the uh, pandemic, um, I did see that you did a training, correct? Is that correct? About Corona and being pregnant? Did you do a training? I think I saw it.
3: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, it was, like, being, um, for, like, black moms during COVID-19 and then also, um, talking about, you know, what, um, how are expecting mothers accessing resources through COVID-19 and the various challenges and things like that.
2: Okay, so, um, last year I, I actually interviewed a, um, a doula for a publication locally here in Dallas, and we talked, of course, you can... I feel like you can't talk about um, giving birth in 2020 without talking about the um, the uh, maternal m- mortality rate of black women. Like, you cannot. You can't separate the two. I don't care what you say. Um, so you, you, you can't separate them. But um, we talked extensively about that. And one thing that... Um, seemed like that i did not you know i can say this because this is my own this is my own platform but i can say this because i didn't get necessarily an answer on her she said that during her training as a doula there was not like a training like or even like time dedicated to why the rates for black women are so different. There was just like, okay, here's what it is. We have to change this. There was no like saying, oh, you know, I guess you can say not diversity training or whatever, but you, there was no saying, this is how you do that. This is how you combat black women dying while giving birth. This is how you do that. This is how you um, teach them how to advocate for themselves. Um, Have you seen any type of education in the field um, that, changes that like that you know give some type of insight to those who are becoming doulas on how um to change this i i'm not gonna say um change this the numbers that of black women dying during childbirth have you seen any type of like training or education wise
3: um are you saying for specifically to like healthcare
2: providers? Or are you saying for doulas? For doulas and healthcare providers, I'm I, I'm going to jump on a limb and say that I don't think that there's any training for healthcare providers. Honestly, um, um, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But have you seen anything um for doulas? Because I I personally think that um the the first way to com- combat it is to change the way we have to, the, the way that um children are born in America. That's that's the way that I think to um to combat that um uh-huh. that statistic, but yeah, that's that's what I meant.
3: Well, um, there's a lot of factors. See, this is where we can have the conversation. See, this is where you can definitely get deep with the conversation because there are a lot of factors that lead into that. Because yes, is can I say? Are there conversations that have been happening? Yes, there have been conversations that have been happening. But then there again, you have to also look at all of the. Gray areas that falls within those conversations mm-hmm. and why certain things haven't haven't been able to move forward so mm-hmm. when it comes into the birth community
1: mm-hmm. like
3: of course like there are mobilization that is happening and so that we can be able to defeat these numbers, like, you have the National Black Doulas Association, you have the Metro Doulas of Detroit, you have, like, the Michigan Breastfeeding Association, you have, um, you know, various, you know, grassroots organizations that are built to be able to combat these numbers, so there are doulas of colors, black, you know, whether they're black, you know, midwives, latina, midwives, um midwives that fall within the LGBT um community, um, that are really, you know, trying to raise awareness to the numbers um around um not only infant mortality, maternal mortality, but also infant morbidity mm-hmm. and
2: maternal morbidity. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, and sorry, is- I'm I'm gonna um say something. Guys, when she says morbidity, she's saying like correct me if I'm wrong it's like the um conditions that you have alongside of something else is that correct yeah Mm -hmm. go on I'm listening go on
3: yes yes so like the low breastfeeding rate so but um a big issue that we look at is policy so you for one um a lot of uh, perinatal supports, which is, you know, getting the doula services, accessing the midwife lactation consultant, they're not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this has to be, you have to be paid out of pocket,
1: yeah. you know, for mm-hmm. a lot of the
3: stuff. And so when you're looking at the average doula services, midwife services or whatever, like when you have to pay out of pocket for it, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, many of our people Fall within the social economic, you know, um, level to where these disparities are happening, but when it comes to black women, it really doesn't matter. Like, you know, five thousand dollars when it for a midwife, yes, compared to the hospital, it is cheap, but my insurance will cover the hospital, my Medicaid will cover the hospital, it won't pay. I can't just get five, I don't have five, six thousand dollars to pay for a midwife on top of another. $1,500 to pay for a doula Mm -hmm. on top of another $150 a session that I may have to do for a lactation consultant. So there's already barriers that happen with that and then you also have the um what is it the really the awareness and that is the access to the information so you know we can have as many birth centers in the african-american community as many that we can have in those that may not have access to hospitals but if they don't necessarily know the importance of it and why we're there and why that then our then our efforts will fall flat you know um in DC, mm-hmm. they, we have a um, freestanding um, birthing center mm-hmm. that, unfortunately, uh, um, many of our of our population within the Black community um, don't use it because there's this uh, kind of like this notion that if I use the birthing center then that means that I can't afford the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's weird it's like they're associating the hospital to being like, okay I can be in this holy toity you know, expensive healthcare center. I can stay here for about a three, good three, four days because my situation that where I came from ain't the best. And if you go to a birthing center once you're able to use the bathroom, they'll send you, send you right home because the point is that you're able to you don't know, go through the natural process of being at home, you know, or being at home or that. And so, you know, you know traditionally you're not getting in the hospital, whereas you're able to get those two extra days. And especially if, you know, if the average woman or, you know, they may not necessarily have the perfect, you know, lifestyle or not say lifestyle, but current situation, they may need those few days in the hospital that's not given to them at the birthing center so that they can figure out what their next options are. When it comes to, you know, to that. So it's like being able to not only um, have the policy changes, but then also being able to know, like, to tell our community that these are your options. That there are women out there that know that um, even when it comes down to reproductive rights, to know that, you know, you have a choice. A lot of our women don't know that they have a choice Mm -hmm. when it comes to childbirth. and that am I really ready for this Mm -hmm. and so and then when they do this you know and and they're so then they're kind of because they might not be able to afford certain things or whatnot they're kind of forced into the situation that they're not quite ready for
2: got it um why do you think they don't know that they have a choice
3: current situation that they actually are in Mm -hmm. um some can still be in shock um you know um a lot don't even know until a little later on yeah um depending on you know if they were able to pick on the early signs or not Mm-hmm. Um and you know talking to young black moms, um who've you know had their difficult experience with birth, that was kind of like the one thing that they kind of knew like you know they as much as they love their children, you know um mm-hmm. they didn't know about their choices that it was and that you know that this was you know that this would be an experience for them um so. That they would have um really better you know planned out um whether or not this was an experience that they were ready to to go forth on um and when you have other things to deal with you know i think you know it sometimes just probably clouds you know their pathways and to see that so you have you know you know that and then also you know overall just the relationship with public health in the hospital mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of dominance around the delivery room mm-hmm. you have a lot of OBGYNs who don't like to work with doulas yeah. you have a lot of them who don't like to have them in the delivery room I know um, why don't
2: they like them there
3: authority
2: thing. I yeah. think is a,
0: um... How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away.
1: Connecting to remote operating room.
0: Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call.
1: Operation complete.
0: The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today.
3: advocate and they're speaking for the mom mm-hmm. you know they i guess they must feel like their voice is being taken from them or that you know they're not they don't have as much control of the
2: i get that but you're not the one having the child
3: exactly
2: so um i personally i think that um you're not the one having the child and and, and you're you're not the mother. And also, I think sometimes um, with doctors, they have to understand that they are working for their patients. Their patients do not work for them. Um, that's I think that there's. Do you think that there's that has something to do with ego as as well as why they don't want to listen to a doula because they've been through the traditional um, process of education and a doula has not done that the same way.
3: Role. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, think about it. You have, these are the same people who would possibly, who would bring in um, a whole group of residents to come and watch a whole C section and have no issue. But you mm-hmm. have a problem with making room for one doula? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. <laughs> Let, you know, so, and why? And so, how is it? Because you can control that group of residents, mm-hmm. everything that you say is bond. Yeah, but then that doula can speak out on when something's not being right, when the, when a mom is being ignored, when a mom is doing that, and then and and then they can take that as a shot at their ego because she's calling out the inconsistency inconsistencies of your work.
1: Hmm.
3: You know, and and so and then the real issue, problem is that why is there any inconsist- inconsistencies that she should be able to point out? that's where the issue goes and then that's when you lead to the the last point of the racial bias i mean when you go into the birth community and that's just being transparent black women are still underrepresented underrepresented you know we have our grassroots campaigns we have the black mobilization but we're still in the minority and you know and it's funny because and on the nursing side, labor it was what a lot of people may not know. Labor and delivery is the most sought after, like feel in terms of nursing, in terms of, like department. Everybody wants to get into this; it's in high demand. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you know why? It's because that's that's where people get life. That's where babies are born. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be happy. It's supposed to be that. So, if this is supposed to be the area of the most high demand, how is it that people are dying? Mm. Mm-hmm. because in my mind you want to be here right yeah. so this would be everyone's all should be placed into this
2: mm.
3: you know but then you have to look at who is them who are the faces yeah other people that are trying to break into this field who are the gatekeepers
2: mm-hmm.
3: it's not us it's not when a black woman is in that room and she's complaining about, or, and I'm I not even going to say complaining, when she's voicing
1: mm-hmm.
3: her, you know, um, concern or her pain, somebody in there, for some reason, has a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Someone in that room is not relating.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that it goes to the assumption that number one, black women don't experience pain. That is an overall bias across the entire medical field, as well as it is believed that black women are unprepared or do not want their children. Um, As well as um, we're not smart. I think you can add some of the things to this list that I've already listed, but I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, that, and it's an implicit bias. Even if you ask them about, they don't know that they're doing it because it's just the internal assumption that they have when they see us, you know?
3: Yeah. And And just like, I mean, just like right now, it's, it's just so funny how it's like you have, you know, all of these men, like it's, it's male dominated,
2: you know, mm-hmm. people who have never experienced birth. Yeah. And never will experience birth. And
3: never will.
2: And I know me, I, I'm, I'm, I've always, um, no matter what my, if, whether it's a dentist or I don't know, a chiropractor or my private care position, my family doctor, I always seek out a black woman 1st <laughs> <laughs> Um, and even sometimes like I've, I've dealt with bias before, like a lady told me my neck was big and she thought that, and I had fibroids. I was like, girl, I just got a big neck. And her reason was, um, well, most black women your age have fibroids. And I was like, okay, cool. You're fired. <laughs> um, right, right, like, what, excuse that? me, girl, sis, this is why I came to you, but it's, it's cool. I went to somebody else eventually. Um, but I, I seek that out. And, um, right now I do wanna bring it back to the pandemic. What are the the chal- the specific challenges that mothers and extensively black mothers are facing during this time of trying to have a child or carrying a child during during um coronavirus?
3: Um, I think really the biggest thing is trying to figure out if the hospital is safe or
2: not. Yes, uh-huh. and you know, Everything I've seen, I did some research every single time I looked at an interview or any type of like article, everything said, okay, the hospital is the safest place to have a baby. And I'm like, okay, this sounds like pay. This sounds like everybody's saying, it, and I don't necessarily agree with that.
3: And not that, well that's because labor and delivery is the hospital one of the hospitals big, biggest revenue. Mm. So they don't wanna tell people not to have the babies there because mm. they still don't, you know, so they're not they're not going to push that out. Like I can mm-hmm. push that right now. Okay. Um, Lord, we might want to take out <laughs> that Like I mean, it's just real. Like they're not gonna put out things like that. But when it comes to the conflicting stories of when um where you see young black women who are literally in their mid-twenties mm-hmm. who are complaining of headaches and they are having, you know, um, you know, dreams of not being able to survive their childbirth wow. only to go into their um, laboring process and not survive due to, you know, um, ignored um, calls for help. Like, you can't tell me that that's not something that a woman who is just like that young black woman isn't going to think about that while she's getting ready to enter the hospital. Like, that's something that just cannot be ignored. And that has to be something that someone has to consider. Like, you're literally telling people to stay away from the hospital. You're turning away people from the hospital. And then, but yet, you're telling them, oh, it's the safest place. But then, like, it doesn't make sense us and then you also see on top of the fact that during this pandemic we as African Americans are dying at you know disproportionate numbers than everyone else it, and then that adds further on the toxic stress and anxiety that a prospective mother should not be experiencing mm-hmm. Um you know toxic stress and anxiety can do a lot to a child you know not only to the mother but to the fetus as well yeah. and so this is really a time where, you know, as black mothers um, there needs to be a moment to really kind of you know, send positive energy and reassurance that a positive birth experience can happen and that this is also a time where they need to know all of their options. Mm -hmm. Like, what are my options during the time? If I have a normal, healthy pregnancy, what are my options? And so there are a lot of midwives as well as doulas that are doing their best to whether or not they are um you see a lot of um, black moms who are considering laboring at home i am an advocate for black moms for laboring at home until if you want to have a hospital birth you want to have a supportive your doula do your laboring process at home until you're close Mm -hmm. to, you know, your contractions as opposed to your delivering. And then, you know, you can be able to go to the hospital with you and your partner. And then you also have, you know, birthing centers that are actually opening their doors to accept late transfers. Mm -hmm. You have um, midwives who do home births that are accepting late transfers from hospital to home. Um, so I think really at the time and really what they're facing is the lack of access to even their prenatal care. Um, so, you know, finding ways of how we can use telehealth to really make sure that our moms are accessing prenatal care, that they're accessing, um, good nutrition, that they're accessing any type of mental health services. Um, or social services that they may need that they normally will have access to before the pandemic, mm-hmm. but they're not now. So I really think that, I think now, especially with Black Moms, is knowing with these stories in a pandemic, the challenge is them knowing their options. Mm-hmm. So like, what, what can I do to make sure that me and my child and my family is still intact?
2: Now, um, You said something, I I keep hearing you say, knowing your options, understanding that you have options, um, do, are there in in the Western traditional healthcare field, especially when it comes to labor and delivery, do doctors promote having a different way of a birth plan? Is, I mean... I'm going to assume no um are there any type of like do they say okay well if you don't want to go this way you can have a dual present you can have this present you know um is there any type of like promotion about that in the traditional sense well
3: overall a lot of people don't like birth plans for the simple fact that they think that it gives mom sense of like a false reality because okay we're gonna plan things out
2: oh, okay and then mm-hmm. it, it,
3: you know things go wrong it can cause you know issues and make them think that oh it's is not a part of the birth plan and this, this so the, so it's a it's quite a number of people who don't necessarily like birth plans mm-hmm. um because of that um I I see no real issue with the birth plan. Um, because your birth plan it can, can be a, C- a scheduled C-section. Yeah, C- section, your birth mm-hmm. plan. Um, but um,
2: and I think you I, can have so, alternates like Plan B. If this happens, yeah, this happens. Yeah.
3: So I think that. So, but my role as a doula, and I think this is where we do have to somewhat of deconstruct what birth is, and this is something that I even had to call myself out on is that, and especially as someone who has not had a birth experience, um, we can picture a birth experience being something that's just like, oh, it's beautiful, it's roses, candles, the water birth, and everything is perfect. Is, um, but really, the, a positive birth experience is knowing, especially with black women, is that knowing that we were able to get this mom and baby home safely. mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
3: You know? And so, a positive birth experience can be a C-section.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: A positive birth experience can be that um, you know we may have to we had to cut you a little bit, do a little tearing Aww. and stuff. A little, a little bit, <laughs> you know, we may have to. That that's positive. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
3: a positive birth experience, you know, could be that. You know, we started off at home, all this stuff, but something happened, blood pressure couldn't get down, so we had to deliver right at home, but the midwife was by her side and still stayed by her side, and the doula, and the now baby was together. I so, it's like, you know, um, I never want, you know, to make a mom feel that if she didn't have this normal thing because something happened, she had a C-section, she failed. That she didn't do what she was supposed to do, that she didn't have a perfect experience, um, because you did, you, you succeeded. You're here. You did a beautiful job. You made it home. You know, like you were able to bring your baby earthside, and we're able to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I want you know moms especially black moms to have a feeling of knowing that they successfully were able to bring their babies to them um and that that's their birth plan and what they want to be you know included and that they can be also aware that this may not necessarily go exactly how but if we can get as close as we can (laughs) (laughs) yeah I keep it all open. but i you know but i think that's where i have to reinforce my job as their doula to know that even if this does not go you're pot you still had a positive experience mm-hmm. you still had everything that you needed and that you were able to make it home um and so uh, and that she knew her options and that she was confident in the options that she had to make. Um, it wasn't what you preferred, but she knew that this is the best option, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure that everything, you know, went that way. And, and she did it because she was able to be educated on it and she did that so i think that's where the fear comes is that you don't know you know what's going on like why is this happening why do we need to do this so,
2: so basically so, yeah. the birth plan is as long as mom and baby are happy and at home that's the birth plan pretty much that's the as long as that is the outcome right yeah mm-hmm. like
3: that's really the outcome and, also, and i know you know you may have some who's like no i still want that Mm -hmm, you you know um and so and so I'm not up to discouraging a mom to do anything and um because you just you don't you want her to feel like she has control Mm -hmm. you know that she's able to figure all of these things out that she has an understanding of the process um and so I think that if, if anything allow it to be an educational tool Um, So that, you know, they can really understand, you know, the childbirth process and what they could possibly experience. But definitely, you know, knowing that the the end goal of that plan is to make sure that both mom and baby are home. And that, you know, the dad or whatever, whoever the birth, you know, the partner is or the Mm -hmm. birthing person's partner is, is able to bring their family home.
2: Now, um, as a doula, you, you mentioned to- um, toxic stress. Uh-huh. Um, so uh-huh. the doula helps with the breathing process during the birth, correct? Oh
1: yeah. Uh, so say so
3: that one more time.
2: The doula she helps with the or he the doula helps with the birthing the uh, breathing process yes. Yes. during yes. the so, birth. Uh-huh. 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 I was going to ask. Um, you uh-huh. said toxic stress. Does that help decrease the toxic stress? That the mom might be experiencing, or were you referring to toxic stress as something that the um the baby may experience?
3: Oh, so yeah, I'm speaking of like onset of just various experiences that mm-hmm. happen throughout the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, just like right now, like the pandemic is a stressor,
2: yeah, it is very much you know, so, yeah,
3: it's a stressor. Um and and not only the pandemic but what it has what it has offset. Mm-hmm. You know this pandemic has offset unemployment. Mm. This pandemic has offset schools being closed. The pandemic has offset um, doctors' offices for being closed. Yeah, have um at you know offset you know various grocery stores and stuff and limited
1: bus routes. So that can add on. A-
3: violence you have a rise in child abuse you have a rise in a lot of things so you don't know what a lot of these situations a lot of these women aren't maybe in that could possibly add a lot of stress and anxiety to her that could also affect the child mm-hmm. and and that and and stress and a lot of times that triggers that could trigger a lot of things that can, might be sometimes and in some cases it might even trigger early um early labor mm. um you know being under that type of stress and so this is definitely a time where, you know, um, this can be a, a really challenging for black moms, depending, you know, on their, you know, situation. We have a lot of them that are working moms,
1: mm-hmm. you
3: know, uh, um, and so knowing that they have children coming and They may, you know, they are trying to figure out, okay, what are their next, you know, um, financial situation is going to look, you know, look like within the next three months, four months. So I think that, you know, with moms overall, regardless of race, I know that this brings various stressors. But for we're going to give it to the black population, specifically with the black population, there's a lot that we can also consider um, when we look at the disparities.
2: Okay. Um, I'm sorry, go on.
3: No, I'm saying just that can affect that or that can bring on, um,
2: stress. So, um, just being pregnant right now could be just a a natural stress Mm -hmm. environment. (laughs) Um, just, just because, cause that is true. A lot of people have lost their jobs. I mean, um, and that with that comes with, um, a loss of, um, for some people, health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they may have to throw out completely what they had planned before and go about it absolutely in a different way. Um, sometimes in the middle of their baby pregnancy. Baby showers, baby mm-hmm.
3: showers, same, announcements, a lot, you know, we, we just talked about, it. we have two close friends who, you know, we know for sure that they were not planning on doing Zoom reveals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were not planning on doing that. They were planning on having, you know, family there when they gave mm-hmm. birth. We were having that so a lot. I mean, so things have literally changed dramatically. They're the complete 180 for a lot of
2: women. Even this weekend, no, last weekend, I was supposed to be at a baby shower in Chicago. So, um, it's all very different, but basically we just have had to ship things to her. Um, This is, yeah, it's just... It's very unfortunate and it's very different um and also um even some mothers have lost their child and they have not been able to grieve with their family like they would have liked to, which is another um another tragedy in and of itself um yeah it's just it's just a very a very different time um, so were are there are there any things that you want to um to say that you've learned so far as far as what you have experienced and what the information that you've gotten as a doula since, um, since all this has happened in the first quarter of the year?
3: Um, I would say really overall within the birth community, I think I learned a lot about the various areas within Black maternal health mm-hmm. um, during this time um, during COVID-19 and really learning about different areas of where black women especially black moms um deserve supporting um the what i am being certified in is through birth and bereavement doula so not not only will i be there to provide positive birth experiences but i'll also be supporting um moms through loss and infertility and so we don't speak up highly about You know, really, you know, we talk about you know infant mortality and maternal mortality, but we don't really speak about the the systems around it that are affected by that. Mm. So the mom grieving process through losing her child, and um, you know, or the grieving process of not being able to conceive, and the stories that come from that um so really through this experience um knowing that yes you know my goal is to be the prevention my goal is to make sure that both mom and baby are able to make it home or you know parent and baby are able to make it home but i must be aware of the reality of things and then knowing that you know, we will, you know, have, you know, um, families that may experience, you know, needing help through that process Mm -hmm. of being able to labor um, a lost child, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so, so that I would say if anything, that's what I've been open to, um, you know, and really understanding and, you know, really understanding the role that I play. As someone who has never had a birthing experience, has never experienced being pregnant um, or having a loss, the role that I play um, being in the community and that um, and that I'm learning that I don't necessarily have to have my own experience to have it, but mm-hmm. I do um, know that I have somewhat of a responsibility to make sure that this information is passed on. Um, and that I can be able to be a part of that conversation so that, you know, my friends and family who don't even know that this, you know, world exists, Mm -hmm. um, that they do know now that, Hey, you know, I found out we got options. (laughs) Hey, you know, let's find it out. Let's, let's work these out and let's do this. So um it's definitely an experience and um it's a brand new world It is, it really is it's a brand new world but it's it's worthy it's
2: worthy now what what support um does a mother who labored a child that did not make it what type of support would she need
3: duration of time in which she lost her child, Mm -hmm. because you have some who've lost her, been loss before um, early stages of pregnancy, and then you have some that, you know, lost it during full term, so they still have to go through the actual labor process Mm -hmm. of doing that, and then you have some that had to make the decision to eliminate a pregnancy due to medical reasons or whatnot, so... If anything, from what I'm learning, the, the biggest support is for her to really understand what's happening mm-hmm. and knowing that there's a grieving process that's happening with the birthing process that needs to happen mm-hmm. because there's still a birth that's, that's that's going on and that there's also a healing process that happens
1: mm-hmm.
3: afterwards mm-hmm. and that... Um, That her story and then also her story doesn't end after that loss um and that we want our moms to know that you know life can continue to happen that your angel baby the one that may not be here is still yours and that you know faith and resilience and hope can allow her to move forward and, you know, to, and if she, they decide to continue to have children afterwards, they've been able to, to really go through the process of what happens so they can be able to move forward. So, um, really, that's what the doula... Role will really be in terms of support, and of course, connecting her to other resources you know, um, maternal mental health, uh, mental health resources that can really be able to do real interventions if needed to help with that process. But yeah, so like if they lost, like there's still a birth that's happening, and that's still a child,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: there's still a process that has to happen in terms of them being able to be present and to be okay with what
2: with the reality that was that's happening right right before them okay um yeah i did not i didn't even um plan to go to talking about that but i'm happy that you brought it up i didn't know that you were uh working on um becoming a birth and bereavement doula that's 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 pretty interesting um one more thing so we so would you say that the safe... Going back, would you say that the safest place right now to give birth is in a hospital? Is that true? Or is that, like, relative?
3: Well, I think... just I, I think, ultimately, mm-hmm. I think the safest place to give birth is where you feel the most
2: confident.
3: Mm, okay. Okay. I... I... I, I don't ever want a mom to ever give birth in a place that she doesn't feel confident
2: mm-hmm.
3: in being. Like, if if you don't feel confident having a baby at home, then don't have a baby at home. Got it. Because he, I, I'd rather you be, you know, easy breezy in a room, you know, at the hospital than for you to be stressed mm-hmm. out and adding more you know, I don't, yeah, like I, I don't want to add any stress Today. I want my mom to be calm, you know, that with everything that's going on, I would I would want her to think of her options of maybe spending a little more time at home mm-hmm. than rushing to the hospital because of what's going on. Um, I would want her to be aware of the activity at the particular hospital that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they are dealing with high cases of COVID and stuff like that, I wouldn't necessarily go. To the
2: Do you want to stop and get some, um, get, get some water? Do you want to get some water, Marisha? I hear your voice cracking. <clears throat> okay, You okay? okay? Hold on,
3: let me maybe make it step. Hold okay. on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, um, mm. consider, yeah, like, really consider doing the labor process at home And then going to the hospital, but I do think ultimately, for the mom's sake, I feel like I would, I want them to be where they feel the most confident, and and they feel the most safe.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: If they know that ultimately they don't feel safe at the hospital, then consider having your labor at home. And doing this and moving on if you feel more confident having it at a birthing center like say if you're not confident having a home but you ain't confident having it at the birth you know hospital either then you know you can definitely consider to a birthing center so you will be around you know more professional mm-hmm. in your place so that's why I, and i think that's why you know i, I circle back and say know your options mm-hmm. and be confident and being confident in your options so um i you know i have my opinion i you know would definitely say for me if i was pregnant and if i was expecting i would definitely um consider you know being in my own surroundings
2: yeah
3: it's where i feel most confident
2: yeah it's the same for me too especially right now because um they don't allow the partner into the um room at the hospital um no family. It just seems like a something i that I would not want to do completely by myself at this time, so yeah, I would try to have it at home if I were pregnant
3: exactly. and um and then also stressing
2: mm-hmm. that
3: pregnancy isn't a disability it's it's isn't a medical condition Mm -hmm. it is a part of life you are part of the natural cycle and so you know a a healthy, quote unquote healthy pregnancy or should I say um, pregnancy with no complications if you have not experienced complications Mm -hmm. during your pregnancy then a hospital is only an option, it is not a necessity
2: um that's that's all i have for you marisha do you have um do you have anything that you would like to share if you want people to get in contact with you or even um any resources because i am going to look into the nbda the national black doulas association um you mentioned one in detroit i did not write it down but i do remember the nbda
3: Um, check out the National Black Doula Association. Mm-hmm. Um, also, check out Sisters in Loss um, podcast and website. Um, What's well, Sisters in Loss? So, Sisters in Loss is a podcast and it's also a community of moms who Have experienced infertility, infant loss, um, in forms of like stillborn miscarriages, mm-hmm. um, elected terminations. And so, this is a way where they can really bring awareness to the conversation, as well as building a community, as well as providing um, maternal mental health resources for family, uh, for moms, and families. So, definitely check them out. And then also, if you're interested in looking into specific, um, you know, public health organizations that are doing perinatal support um, work, you can definitely look into um, Mama Toto Village. It is a DC organization that um, works with families through doula work, mm-hmm. through perinatal um, health support, home visiting, lactation. Um, the C one of the CEOs is actually a midwife. She's a practicing midwife out here in DC and Maryland. Wow. Okay. And, um, we also have, of course, I'm part of. Uh, we have Community of Hope, which is a um, community. Um, or a service organization however they house our family health and burden center which is the only freestanding burden center in dc yeah. so definitely check you know them out um, to learn more about their work so yeah so and then of course i can continue to send you information um to let you know but um those are like right off the top of my head um some um, really cool organizations to uh look up and podcast look into learn more about you know grassroots
2: work and what the sisters are out here doing that is beautiful um well thank you so much for being on this show um I really 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 do appreciate it and I hope that you're staying safe and healthy in Washington D.C. I am and thank you
3: I'm like I
2: No, you're you're doing good. Um, do you want me to share your information in case anyone wants to get in touch with you, like your Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, or not? Nah? Uh,
3: sure. I mean, you can hit me up. My name me, my name is the same, Marisha Walker, on Facebook mm-hmm. and on um really just use Facebook because my my Instagram is pretty personal. Mm-hmm. So you can just hit me up on um on Facebook and then you can be able to find me and then also um, you can find some of my school health related content on um, Rise and Shine blog on Children's National. so for any families that you know want to tap into any early learning tips or school health you can definitely check out Children's Nationals website then you can find some content by me as well
2: okay well thank you thank you thank you oh uh, well, hang on Thank you guys so much for listening to that episode. I really enjoyed it. Marisha, Miss Walker had a lot of information to share and I hope that you retained it, took some notes and you're able to carry it through um, to someone else or to yourself if you are expecting a child currently. Make sure you check out the resources. I'm going to list them all in the descriptions of, on the episode for today. As well as if you want to reach out to me, feel free to follow me on T for the queen on Instagram or uh, Twitter, and I'll put the link to the website in the show notes as well. I hope you guys have a great, great rest of your week. And also when you say the name Ahmaud Arbery, remember the same in the same breath, Brianna Taylor. Thank you. Have a great one.
1: How
0: powerful is the.